Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Ancient Health Podcast. My name is Courtney, and I'm so glad that you've joined me today. So, I have to be honest, I have a special guest in the studio with me today. This is his first podcast. He might be a little bit nervous. So far, he has tried to escape two different times, and he's being forced against his will to join me. So this is not actually a human guest. This is Bodhi. And I would say that he's a dog. Uh, Maybe, you know, by genetics, he is a dog. Uh, But If you're needing a visual, Bodhi is somewhat of a combination of the squirrel from Ice Age, like, you know, the one with the big eyes that's always running around with the little, the nut that he carries around. (laughs) He's kind of like half that. And then if you are familiar, if you have kids and you know the movie Lilo and Stitch, he is Stitch, like kind of crazy, also big eyes, kind of a big head, big ears. Uh, So if you, if you're walking, if you're out listening to this, you cannot see Bodhi you know, that's kind of a good visual for you. So he uh, he's quite the character. But I bring him on today, not because Dr. Motley is unavailable to join me for this podcast and he's the stand-in, but because we're actually talking about our pets. We're going to talk about how dogs specifically, cats, you know, they kind of fit the bill too. But some of the data that we're going to look at is really uh, looks at the influence of dogs in the house on our microbiome. And what's interesting is that animals really have always lived with humans. Like we've up until like this really industrialized age, we've always cohabitated because we've relied on animals for yeah, Bodhi. Okay. He's so excited to be here. I'm glad he finally spoke up. He's a little shy, <laughs> but you know, we've always grown with, up with animals because animals have been a part of how we live, right? We, we utilize them for food. We utilize them to help manage crops, to ultimately regenerate our soil, right? There's so many purposes for animals beyond just their uh, companionship, which is a great benefit to our health too. And this episode, we're not going to talk about that specifically. Maybe we'll do another one. But what I want to focus on is how pets can influence your microbiome because they bring so much to the table. If you think about our animals, they're actually out making contact with the dirt and the soil, and they're bringing that into our house. So animals are bringing things in from the outdoors, things that we normally wouldn't be probably exposed to. Most of us aren't running around our yard and putting our hands in the dirt. We're not really even grounding. We're just inside these sterile environments. We're not getting access to nature. And animals actually bring a lot of that into our homes. But a lot of the studies that have been done on the influence of dogs on our health uh, really relate to children. And I found this so fascinating because There are a lot of people that maybe have kids and they also have pets or maybe think that, hey, the pets might be a problem for my child. You know, what what if my dog gets my child sick? What if my cat gets my child sick? And yes, you're, you're exactly right to have concern because animals do have the ability to carry parasites and worms and things like that. But what you've got to realize too is that they bring a lot of microbial diversity and that's something that your child can share from because in those early years, the first years, we're talking from infancy and birth all the way up to the first two and three years, their microbiome is heavily influenced by the environment that they're raised in. 
And so I want to bring to light a couple of things. This might be something to consider, especially if maybe you're starting a family, maybe you have children, maybe you have a spouse that doesn't love animals. I'm not going to say that Bodhi is unloved in this house, but I can tell you that he has more love from some of us than he does others. <laughs> He's also, okay, just, just a side note, Bodhi is like one and a half years old. He's completely untrained. Um, he doesn't know a single command. And he pretty much does whatever he wants. So I'm okay with it. I, I have all the love in the world for him. He's like my sidekick. Uh, however, not everybody feels the same way about Bodhi, uh, including other family members. So he's, he, he gets love for me, but I feel like that's enough. And he and I have a, a very strong bond and relationship. So all right, Bodhi, do you feel good about that? Okay, so let's get into the data. So when we're talking about infants and babies, the microbial composition is shaped by a number of factors, and that includes gestational age, the type of delivery that they had, so whether they were born vaginally or cesarean, and then the type of diet. So if you think about, you know, are they breastfed or are they formula fed? And even uh, if they've been exposed to antibiotics, because we have a number of children and they get sick in those first few months of life, and all of a sudden it's one antibiotic after another, which is just wiping out their gut microbiome. So microbial composition in infants is actually very low in terms of diversity. So it's so critical in those first few months that they get flooded with these good bacteria, these good microbes to help build some resiliency because their immune system depends on it. And even beyond that, their brain health, their hormones, like all of these things are the linchpin is their gut. I mean, Hippocrates says all disease begins in the gut. And that's so true because it is the cornerstone element. If your gut health is not intact, if your gut health is not resilient and strong, you are going to suffer in so many downstream ways. So there was this thing called the hygiene hypothesis. This was um, first brought up in the late like 1980s. And it, there were a bunch of epidemiological studies that were done that attribute the risk of allergic disease to overly hygienic environments, which this makes sense, right? If you think about, you know, any newborn child being brought into a home, they're not going outside. They're not getting exposed to a lot of different things in the environment, and our homes have become increasingly sterilized. We have all these cleaning chemicals. We have chemicals that are on our furniture, that are in the paint on the walls. All of these things contribute to toxins, which toxins can modulate. Toxins can change the microbiome. So this hygiene hypothesis was first proposed in the late 1980s. And the idea is that as we become more sterilized in our homes and in our just overall environment, um, the risk of disease has actually increased. There's further evidence that gut microbial dysbiosis during infancy is associated with the development of allergic disease specifically. Um, and this is really because after a child is born, a lot of times they are exposed to nothing but just the inside of their homes, right? Because a lot of infants, I mean, granted mom might be outside taking her baby for a walk, but for the most part, they are only exposed to the things that are indoors. And our indoor living environment is has been proved to be far more toxic, including the air that we're breathing, right? Because of all the off-gassing, so many different things that are in our homes. On top of that, we have all of these different cleaning agents, these cleaning chemicals that are disrupting a lot of flora inside our homes. So despite rapid microbial colonization of the gut after birth, environmental microbes in the early postnatal period represent a critical exposure for early life immune programming. And we find that this can have long-term consequences. 
So I'm going to go through a couple of studies because I found these really interesting. They did a pooled analysis of about 7,000 households that documented dog ownership during the first two years of life and found that there was reduced sensitization to allergens in early childhood. So this is really interesting, right? 7,000 households were polled, but they found that in the first two years of life, there was a strong correlation for a reduction of allergies. Now, I want to point this out because there are so many children, there's even a lot of adults, right? The deal with allergies. Allergies, those are, that's not an allergen or an antigen problem. So it's not a pollen problem. It's not, you know, tree leaves that are getting dried up and falling down. Like it's not a problem of the environment. It's a dysregulation of our immune system. That is an immune system problem. So we've got to be able to address it because a lot of times we're always just looking to, <laughs> Bodie is really getting into this now. He's getting super comfortable with this whole podcast thing. So we've got to look at regulating the immune system, right? Because that's part of the problem. On top of that, they did this meta-analysis, six different studies that evaluated prenatal exposure. Okay, so now we've looked at these 7,000 households that was, they were basically evaluating whether or not homes with pets, when children were brought into the home, what that did to their microbiome. Like how did that alter their microbiome for the better or for the worse? Now we're looking at prenatal exposures. Now I find this really interesting too, because we're just looking at mom, you know, and, and we know that the baby's microbiome begins in pregnancy in utero, but they also found a strong correlation of prenatal uh, exposures to pets in how that correlates to the microbiome and the diversity of flora within an infant. And what they found is they, they had lowered IgE levels until two years of age following pet exposure during pregnancy. Now, IgE, these are antibodies produced by your immune system. This is what we see when there's an allergic reaction, right? So when those are lowered, we mean that we're looking at the immune system being more controlled. It's not overly triggered by things that it shouldn't be. A lot of times when we don't have those exposures, when the immune system is finally in the presence of these antigens, it goes haywire. It goes crazy. So have you ever seen people, maybe they've never been on a farm, been around a farm, they immediately go into the barn and the hay and the grasses and the animals immediately, their eyes start watering, their throat gets scratchy. I grew up around tons of farm animals and have been in the barn my whole life. And I can tell you as an adult, I have almost zero seasonal allergies. You know, every now and then it may get like a slight headache, you know, in spring or something like that when the pollen is like incredibly thick and heavy. But I grew up constantly breathing that stuff in. I spent hours every single day outside with these animals and I was always breathing in the grasses and all of the spores from the soil and the ground and the animals. And that really helps control and it helps to train the immune system to respond appropriately. When you never have those exposures, you really, it shouldn't come as any surprise that when we put ourselves in a situation that our body has not had to manage before, that there is a hyper reaction. There's an overreaction of different parts of the body because it thinks, oh, I've never seen this before. What do we do? Right. And so that's what we're seeing now with so many populations, because guess what? We're all living in neighborhoods. Nobody's living on a farm anymore. People don't have animals. That's why I feel like it's so important, not only for the psychological standpoint. I mean, there are so many benefits to having an animal in the home. We see them for use in PTSD and people that are going through a number of different treatments, right? People that are dealing with a lot of brain and cognitive stuff, like it can be very therapeutic to even touch an animal. I mean, we use horses a lot of times for people that have disabilities, right? That, that there's a connection there, an emotional connection, a co-regulation that can happen with these animals. What a beautiful thing to offer your family. I mean, listen, if you are not an animal person by the end of this episode, I will be personally offended. 
<laughs> okay, maybe I won't be offended, but I might send you an animal so you can DM me and I will send you like a tiny little, you know, Bodhi or something. I don't know if that will bring a lot of value to your life. If you met Bodhi, you might think, are you trying to make my life more chaotic? <laughs> but he, bring, he brings value. He brings value. All right. So I'm going to point out one more thing because I actually didn't even consider this until I started digging through this information and found it. So this is fascinating. In the absence of household pets, this study, and I'll, I'll link this study in the show notes, is done by the Microbiome Journal, but this study reported a twofold higher risk in of obesity at the age of two in cesarean-delivered infants as opposed to vaginally-delivered babies. Like, how wild is that? Now, we know that the birth canal offers just this coating and bathing of microbes for the baby when they're born vaginally. Think about this. A lot of people, you know, when you go to the hospital and they're delivering these babies, they are wiping them down. Like it's like immediately get them out and then clean them off, you know, wipe them, scrub them, all this stuff. No, 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 no. I did not give Marley. So Marley is nine, nine months old now. But when she was born, I did not bathe her. She didn't get anything for two weeks. Like I didn't even give her a sponge bath with water because I didn't want to disrupt this skin barrier because she had picked up all of these different microbes from me. And mom's immune system is what's going to help sustain that, that babies borrow off of that from mom. They do that through breast milk too. That's why it's so important, not only just this nurturing and this connection of their nervous system regulating uh, with mom, but also that they're picking up all of these antibodies, all of these things that are going to be so helpful for them to go out and defend their bodies against environmental exposures that could potentially cause them to be sick. It's really interesting that we're now correlating metabolic diseases with a healthy microbiome at the earliest of ages, right? We're talking about infants. I mean, this is months, guys. All of these studies here to say that it, it seems to be that having a pet in the household, especially given our modern day lifestyles, we are not exposed to things that we once were. And we are also experiencing disease at a level we've never seen before. So you can really start to put all the pieces into place here and see, you know, this is all making sense. We have detached ourselves from the roots of really cultivating and living a lifestyle where we're doing things on our own, where we're eating locally, we're eating seasonally, we're slowing down the pace of life, we're getting outside, we're getting sunshine, we're putting our hands in the dirt. We don't do any of that. And what are we seeing? A decline in disease, an increase in metabolic diseases, in autoimmune diseases. So I think it's important to note, you know, is a dog going to change your entire health outcome? Is it going to, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not everything. But it might be something. And it might be helpful, especially if you're starting a family or you already have young children. Kick them outside. I'm about to go kick mine outside because I can hear them downstairs. <laughs> All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed Bodie, the Bodie and Courtney show today. And you know what? You can head over to my Instagram if you are, if anything, and you, you're just more intrigued to see what does this little character look like. I, I do like to feature him probably as much as I do the, the kids because he is really one of my children. Bodhi, don't be shy. He looks like he's going to take a nap right now. This is morning nap time for a little Bodhi. Uh, but if this podcast has resonated with you, if you've enjoyed my little, my little rant on animals, you know that if I'm not talking about coffee enemas, likely talking about animals or food, or supplements, or all the things that make us healthy, because this is my jam, y'all. I love it. Okay. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you guys on the next episode. I hope you are well. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at 
Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.